0: she wants your beer that's the problem <laughs> you see the ears <laughs> she's being all pathetic now you're listening to i might be wrong a podcast about music hosted by myself rich Neenum, and my co-host mr henry salmon Welcome to episode number 12 of I might be wrong. Today we're going to do something we shamefully haven't done yet and talk about a female artist. Yeah, it's probably
1: because we've gone straight into the artists that influenced us when we were younger. Yeah, and not so much the artists that influence us now, and I think it's probably fair to
0: say nowadays we're probably balanced. I definitely had a lot more of a male leaning Listening when I was younger, certainly you go back to XFM days and it was probably 80%, 90% male artists being played then. Yeah, but yeah, I'm glad to say we are. Um, we're going to talk about St. Vincent or Annie Clark is her actual name. Yeah, and she's not just here to make up numbers, she's, oh, no, she's here to amazing. Because she's... <laughs> she's so, very she cool. is a singer, a songwriter, multi instrumentalist, she's a producer, she's directed. I uh, Yeah, oh, really? she directed okay. a film a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. So just an all-round, ridiculously talented individual who just also happens to have an incredible voice. Did you know she started off in the Polyphonic Spree? Uh, no, which is strange because I quite enjoy the Polyphonic Spree and I quite like listening to her music too, so yeah. I'd never put the two together. I mean, there there were something like 30 members of the Polyphonic Spree, so... I guess you would be forgiven for not knowing all thirty names unless you were like a massive super fan of the band, but I don't think either of us were ever that No I liked <laughs> Polyphonic Spree, but I was never that into them.
1: No. They um they, they were never gonna I dunno. There, there was the what was that soldier thingy song? Yeah, another one. That one. Yeah. There was yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. They all dance on stage, yeah. That'll do. Yeah. I and did
0: we didn't we see them at Glass? I was gonna say I think we did,
1: yeah, we did. And and it was basically uh, is what you'd expect it's um, it must have been a good 30-40
0: people up on stage bouncing around you know my overriding memory of seeing the polyphonic spree at Glastonbury was that they were immensely cheerful and I was hungover and sunburnt and really grumpy yeah so I didn't enjoy didn't them nearly as much as I should have done I, I think they were great but I was really <laughs> pissed off for large amounts of that set and it was nothing to do with them
1: yeah I uh, it was I forgot it as well really I didn't remember much about yeah. it I think they were almost a one hit wonder. But anyway, she's she's bit. from from
0: the um from the rubble of the Bronicles. <laughs> <production spree, laughs> she's she's um... far more successful than them yeah. I put it that way. Yeah. She also was part of Sufjan Stevens touring band, who we talked about last week. Yeah. I I don't know that I would be able to pick out when or which albums that was for, but yeah, it's I think it's... she sang on the Swans album. Did she? I think so. Okay. That would be that would be cool. But yeah, so she she went solo as St Vincent she's got five albums they range quite heavily in in style so the early stuff is quite almost folk rock style stuff very artsy lyrically and by design i guess yeah but her more recent stuff is much more electronic even yeah. though there's still guitar heavy parts in there she is lead guitarist having seen her live she i mean she can shred so she plays a lot of the guitar and and it's interesting I want to come on to talk about specific songs but there's one song on her album where she was trying to crowbar in a guitar piece because she was like well I I wanted a guitar piece in there so I could play it and then it didn't work for the song so she binned it but she she definitely has that instruments first kind of mentality it's not just all about the electronica yeah which um so which album did you bump into at first so I actually came in pretty late I heard bits of and not the full album but bits of her St Vincent album which is her fourth specifically Digital Witness which I think Uh, is a track that a lot of people would would recognise the one that I want to talk about and the album that I think is is pretty heavily influenced a lot of my tastes in terms of electronica and, and and I mean not necessarily leading me into bands but certainly in terms of I enjoy that type of work is um, Mass Seduction yeah what an album it's It's, it's um, a fantastic
1: album it's a step forward because I I was introduced to Digital Witness first a French friend of mine was like hey you must listen and I did and um, that was my Jamaican accent and then she did the (laughs) French Jamaican yeah man (laughs) but yeah I think Mass Seduction is what a Fantastic album
0: Yeah It's funny because I genuinely had the misconception That she was French for a while Because I thought she was Saint Vincent, Saint Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah apparently not uh, She's she's American And I'm happy For someone to tweet us And tell me That one of her early albums Is way better And that I should go back And listen to it And actually My plan is this year To, to go back And have a listen to those early albums Because I, I think yeah. I'll enjoy them Apart from The the, the kind of style on mass seduction, I think it's having had brief listens to some of that stuff. It's probably very much in my style. I just haven't put the effort in. Yeah,
1: I agree. I, I've, I've definitely listened to Actor, and and that's great. But I, it, it was one of those. I need to listen to it because I've listened and I like her later stuff. But it, I think I think she deserves some proper
0: proper time. Well, apparently. The stuff on Marry Me, she wrote when she was like 18, 19 years old. Right. So it was, it was pre significantly pre-recording it because she's about the same age as us. Mm. But that's where that stuff had come from. And she talks about it as her talking about life as she thought it was, and the more recent stuff is her talking about life as she's experienced it. Yeah. And that's that's something that I have found on the album is is while it's it's loud, it's poppy, it's got quite a lot of pop to it, and I mean that in terms of the sound being quite alive yeah yep. it's very intimate as well there's a lot of stuff with her talking about very private details of, of her life what feel like private details of her life and she is she's one of these very private people. And so, people, are, you read interviews with her and she deflects on a lot of questions. So, there's all this stuff that you can read between the lines on the lyrics, but she's like, oh, once it's out there, it's for, it's for people who listen to it to interpret it and, and decide what they think about it. And it's no longer part of me and blah, blah, blah. Even though you've, you've got to feel like some of the stuff on there is, is hugely personal to her. The lyrics are really smart, the musicality is it's really musical, it's really well put together. Yeah, well, there's a
1: quote from her saying you can't fact check it, but if you want to know about my life, listen to this record.
0: It's, yeah, it's it's a personal one. Early on, there's a track called Pills, which I love because again, it's very, it's, it seems very poppy on the surface, but it's actually it starts with this really upbeat poppy electronica. It's like it feels like it's cynical lyrics that are basically talking down on. American use of medication for all of life's ills, mm. but actually, the way she talks about it, is she was she was taking sleeping pills. She was having trouble sleeping, and so you know, it's, it's got this kind of pills, pills, pills. She she apparently got this jingle type thing in her head and was like, "I could do something with this." It's
1: it's almost it's almost Christmassy. I don't know what it, the the kind of it's so upbeat, and then you realise what she's singing about, and it's yeah. like actually. It's,
0: you, it's really not happy. <laughs> and the thing is, she's not trying to preach to people about how they shouldn't be doing this stuff. It's talking to her personal experience of yeah. having gone down that road, and and not. But it's a mix of both, which I think is why it, why it works. But it, it then drops into this kind of bluesy outro with this morose message about. How how life is fleeting and all this kind of stuff and how you almost feels like she's talking about how you should really feel all this stuff even though you don't necessarily want to and you can deaden it with the pills. Yeah, and it's got the line everyone you love will yeah. all go away. Like it's pretty brutal. Yeah, and not where you expect it to go from the start.
1: Yeah, because I think most people listening to this, if they don't know the album, they may have come across slow disco. Yeah, because the song is um, it, it. It's been. Really, I think it's been released as a single, but it's another one of those songs that does crop up on just TV and yeah, a kind of modern social media. Just because it's a, it's an amazing track, and it just it, it does sit in the background quite well too.
0: It it talks to modern life as well because more and more things are recognised around people being introversion is talked about more than it's ever been yeah you know if you were introverted in the past you were just quiet and shy and whatever whereas she talks about it and and it feels like it's a bit of a introverted extrovert thing where there's a lyric yeah i'm so glad i came but i can't wait to leave yeah slip my hand from your hand leave you dancing with a ghost and she they just just the way and actually there's a it's not just slow disco. There's a track just before it it's only about forty five seconds long, called um, "Dancing with a Ghost." Yeah, that's actually this lead-in instrumental piece that has all of the all of the melody, and then it drops into the actual song of slow disco.
1: Is that is that the one with the strings? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just this kind of beautiful it's quiet strings thing. Yeah.
0: thing, and and that's the that's the lead of one into the other. Which I again it's it's a really clever way like she's got such a clever way with with music and a really great feel for how that stuff should work within an album
1: it it's funny that she's not more mainstream and i don't know whether it's just because it's slightly too dark to sell to the kids
0: there's i think there's also an element of this album very sexual Yep, there's a really heavy, and it's I don't well, you look at the album cover and <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently that was one of her, like her assistant's ass, right? <laughs> they got these pictures. It was it was either going to be a photo of her face, like a classic album cover face photo thing, yeah, or this bending over butt, <laughs> yeah, and they chose the butt. And they went with the butt. There's no one that's really done sexuality like that since the kind of 80s and 90s when you have Prince and Madonna Madonna, being in your face about it and like, this is who I am, this is how things are. Mass Seduction, the track, feels very Prince like in the way it is with the kind of shredded guitars and the funky kind of nature of the whole thing. Yeah, I'd go with that. That's I hadn't thought about that. And and the, the kind of sexuality in the music and the lyrics and and that that to me. I love that track. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It does have a Prince vibe. Yeah. yeah. And it's got lyrics like I can't turn off I can't turn off what turns me on. I hold you like a weapon. Yeah. It's very very explicit imagery that yeah. they that they've got going on there. And she she herself has been very somewhat opaque about her own sexuality she won't talk about any of that stuff beyond I think she's pretty pansexual she talks about being very gender fluid and sexual fluidity and all that kind of stuff yeah. but then won't talk in any detail about what that actually means for her Yeah. and, and even in terms of things like she's had relationships with some pretty high profile people um, Cara Delevingne <clears throat> for example yeah and whereas others, you talk about her not being as mainstream as she maybe could be. That would be a very easy way to be to more publicize mainstream yourself. Being but... in a being in a, a same-sex relationship with a model like Cara Delevingne is that would be a great way to. Yeah. You know, you think you, your publicist is probably tearing their hair out because they want to use <laughs> it as much as possible. Yeah, she's got, but man. she's not the kind of person that's going to do that. And, and you got to respect her for that. Mm. Yeah, she's just not not you don't don't see her, you don't see her in the newspaper and She's not that kind of person. And but again, like she she's very hot on the sleeve and very open on an album, but yeah, very closed yeah, yeah, in true. her interviews and she won't talk to that kind of stuff and she hates the canned questions and yep. all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Matt so Mass Reduction sets the tone for the album. And then, you know, you've got a lot of other stuff in there. So there's um, Saviour talks yeah. about role play and talks about fetish wear and latex and leather and all that kind of stuff. And apparently her aunt and uncle played on that track. Really? Yeah. It's a family <laughs> thing. Which she thinks, I think she enjoys it as a subversive thing. She just thinks it's hilarious that, yeah. that you can do that and just get away with it. Yeah,
1: I guess if you if you know this is the album's going out to millions of
0: people, you might as well just yeah play with it. But I think I think the other track that I want to talk about is New York, yep. which I absolutely adore. It's probably my favorite track on there, partly because of the lyrics as much as anything. But she, she actually breaks down. There's a podcast called Song Exploder. And on Song yeah, Exploder... Yeah, Song Exploder is great. Yeah. So they, what they do is they get an artist on and they talk about a particular track. And they talk about how that track comes into being and how they what lyrics were used and how they wrote the song and how they like what instruments they were using and how they think and that's the one where she talks about she wanted to have a guitar piece on there but actually they ended up going with the piano because it just sounded better for the for the track. Yeah. But that that apparently from the Song Exploder interview, she talks about that originating she was in New York and she'd been living in LA for a while and New York feels like home to her. She moved there when she was in her late teens, I think. Right. And she had a crowd that she ran with on the on the lower east side. She sent a text to a friend that read "New York isn't New York without you," and she was like, "Oh, there's a lyric I could use." Yeah, and turned it into this "New York isn't New York without you" love thing. That's kind of where the a lot of the song lyrics come from. Of like, yeah. yeah. Feeling like you're somewhere that you should belong but you don't belong there anymore and it's moved on and your friends have moved on. And I sort of feel like that about London these days. But the chorus was a completely separate piece of music where she'd written this stuff. She got really heavily affected when Bowie died because he's a big influence of hers. But she never met him. Yeah. And she couldn't understand or she really struggled with how much emotion she felt from from him passing away I well, think a lot of us did like I was I was devastated I wasn't even that big of a Bowie fan for a long time
1: well it's like with the the frightened rabbit suicide yeah which that was a that that kicked me in the face in a way I didn't expect and I was yeah. I, I spent two days at work kind of not really working because I was so cut up about a guy up in Scotland that I'd never known who jumped off the fourth bridge and you yeah. just think it's incredible wow, isn't was, it um that's shocking. So yeah, he, I, I can I can get why she would become so emotionally attached to yeah to someone like Bowie,
0: and he does uh, he was he was someone that was a big influence on her music. Uh, Bowie, Kate Bush, like there there there's is two big names there that she references. Yeah. yeah, you can you can see the Kate
1: Bush in her style. It's not absolutely it's not so overt that it's kind of crackers, <laughs> but you can you can see the
0: influence. Yeah, absolutely. But that track, that chorus piece in the middle of that, that's talking about how she feels on that. And and yeah, absolutely, if you if you haven't listened to Song Exploder at all or you just haven't listened to that particular episode, fully recommend it. It's really, really interesting listen. And it's it's kind of it feels like quite a simple song on the face of it, but I think the emotion involved and the the, the way that I it taps into something that I feel again about London, certainly that is that is a song that really is is a favourite one on that album. Yeah. But yeah, moving on to or going back to St. Vincent which I haven't listened to nearly as much but is the only other album that I've really listened to of hers. Yep. Rattlesnake and Digital Witness on there are great and I think there's some good stuff on there but it feels like that is her first foray into something more electronic or incorporating more electronic pieces and it feels like it's an experiment whereas Mass seduction feels like a fully formed thing. I remember reading that she she only started
1: taking voice lessons after her first three albums. So it really? sounds like she wasn't actually that
0: she just kind of wasn't committed and then she realized actually I could make this so much more. Some um, people some people are just naturally talented singers and they're so much better than everyone else that I'd imagine you just feel like, well, why bother doing voice lessons and then you realize that you can if you do the lessons you can take it even further. Yeah. Didn't know that. That's that's pretty that's interesting. I, yeah. I, now I want to go and listen to the early albums and compare. Yeah. <laughs> Just to see if, if I can notice any difference. I can't imagine that I would.
1: My, my other convincing in fact, is that Cara Delevingne actually sang on Pills. So her, Really? Her, her, I didn't know voice that. voice on there
0: too. So. Huh. Okay, now I need to work <laughs> but, out but which voice that is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, if I can work out which voice. But she's on there. Have you ever seen her live? No, you? I have. I saw her at End of the Road, I want to say last summer. So, the last summer or summer before? I forget yeah, this which one. It's one of the most recent two End of the Roads that I've been to. And she was unreal. Totally blown away by how good she was. I could have actually seen her and David Byrne perform together yeah. at End of the Road. But unfortunately, John Grant was playing on the garden stage, and I have got to go and see John Grant. I wasn't going to miss John Grant. I, I absolutely love that man. I'm I'm looking forward to us chatting about that. Yep. You're not stealing that one off me after. you,
1: no, start you can this. you can you can have him. I can I'll have Father John Misty just to kind of balance it. And... Ah,
0: he's amazing, life as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have been. Maybe he was the year before at End of the Road. But he's yeah, he's incredible. I loved I love Father John Misty. So having seen her play live there and been absolutely blown away, I mean, she wore this bright orange latex outfit and, like, thigh-high boots and just everyone in the crowd was just, like, totally in love with her. Well, it's, <laughs> it's a bit like, I saw so I saw the AAS yeah, yeah, at Glastonbury with
1: Carano yeah. Yeah. And, and that kind of highly hyposexual kind of, I'm going to... Try and orgasm down the microphone, um, and it's, and you do stand stand in the kind of the
0: audience thinking,
1: bloody hell, this is someone who's
0: someone owning their own sexuality is really powerful. Like yeah, just and just being like, it's not used as a marketing ploy. It's not used yeah, as absolutely. a a kind of attention seeking thing. It's just CRL, being yourself. Yeah. But yeah, one thing that I did find out recently was, did you know that when Nirvana were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, she performed Lithium. With them. No, I didn't know that. With them. Yeah, so with... rather than having any male singers come out and sing any of the Cobain parts, it was all. For, so uh, Joan Jett yep. performed there. Uh, the lead singer of. Uh, what's the band that, that are a massive influence on Nirvana? Hole. No. <laughs> okay. No. But she was there. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Sonic Youth. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I mean. Uh, just listening to her perform, I love Lithium. It's it's one of my favourites. So I'd imagine that performing that there's got to be a pretty huge honour, and and just select like being selected as yeah. one of the people that they would trust to to sing that. Dave Grohl's got enough musical contacts to kind of basically <laughs> pick on whoever he wants, and they'll say yes, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, I I hope to see her again, and I'm looking forward to seeing what she does next because mm. I think. I think next album could be, could be really interesting. And have you listened to Mass Education? Yes, I have. Uh, is, no, wait, hang on. No. Mass Education this... is the stripped-down piano-only versions of Mass Seduction. No, okay. Yeah, so that, I don't know that it works for every track, but certain tracks are wonderful as these kind of stripped-down, mostly acoustic things so that's that's worth a listen to as well
1: you know who else has got a really good good stripped down acoustic version of their songs
0: nirvana live in new york
1: no <laughs> go on to taylor
0: swift uh yeah no i've listened to that album it's great um she does but a, i like taylor swift's 1981 1985 whatever whatever that if um, 1989 yeah that's it. that one that's how much i love it i don't even know what year it is she's got a couple
1: of acoustic stuff um If if, if you've got YouTube to hand, go and find her performances at the Grammy Museum. Uh, It's all her and just her
0: instruments, and it's really, really good. I remember you sending this to me because you were like, holy shit, she can actually play guitar. I didn't realise she was actually really good, and she's got an
1: amazing voice. Well, she's just, yeah. When you see that stripped down, it's just her and a microphone and a guitar. It's like, okay. There's, there's nowhere to hide there's nowhere to hide and it's a bit like when you're watching Jules Holland and he only invites people on that can play and if you haven't got if you don't know how to play an instrument and play with a band and because Jules Holland get your sound sorted so you've got to be good so so yeah um, in that
0: case I will listen to the it's worth a listen know. there's some really good stuff on there and it's I think again it's on Spotify so you can just go and, go and can listen to it. the whole album cool cool so that's St Vincent
1: yeah and Taylor Swift um, well no, probably, <laughs> yeah,
0: we should we should contemplate doing 1989 we, we won't do it but we should think about it yeah we've done
1: we've thought about it good <laughs> all right
0: we will be back next week thanks for listening thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong you've been listening to myself Rich Newnham and my co-host Mr Henry Salmon